This is a movie review. It's a 1960 movie, The Savage Innocence. It's directed by Nicholas Ray. Uh, writing credits. Well, Ray was responsible for the gr a screenplay based on a novel by Hans Roosh, and there was uh, contributions for the adaptations from Roosh, Franco Salinas, and Bacchio Bandini. The cast in the lead role is Anthony Quinn, who plays Inuk, his uh, partner, wife, uh, soulmate, is Asiak, who played by Yoko Otani. Uh, Peter O'Toole plays a trooper. Carlo Giustini plays another trooper. And then we have uh, the missionary, uh, the preacher, played by Marco Guglielini. And uh, then a number of uh, Inuit, um, played by Japanese uh, actresses and actors. Anna Mae Wong plays Hiko. Kaida Horiuchi plays Imana uh, Lee Montague, doesn't sound very Japanese to me, Intermagnet, uh, Marie Yang is Pao Tiu, uh, Andy Ho, Anavik, uh, and Anthony Chin is Kiduk, uh, Yvonne Shima plays Lulik, and uh, that's probably all we need to mention. Uh, uh, finally, um, this movie was nominated at the Cannes Film Festival in 1960 uh, for the Palm Door. So this is my review of The Savage Innocence. Now I'm a big fan of Anthony Quinn and to a considerable extent Peter O'Toole. So two screen legends that rose to uh, fame in the 50s and the 60s tempted me to take a look at The Savage Innocence released in 1960 and directed by Nicholas Ray, who, as you may recall, directed the epic Rebel Without a Cause with James Dean. Now, the film uh, was a debut in feature uh, for O'Toole, but for Quinn, it continued his prolific output from the 50s, when he starred in Fellini's La Strada, Lust for Life with Kurt Douglas, Viva Zapata alongside Brando, and the highly underrated The Wild is the Wind. So to raise the savage innocence. It was set in the Arctic Circle in Canada and enabled uh, music goers, sorry, movie goers, to get a glimpse of life in the Inuit community. Eskimos, as the West described them, meaning eaters of raw flesh. Ray researched extensively into the cultural taboos, beliefs and traditions of the Inuit and as it was filmed on location in the Canadian Arctic, the cinematography was breathtaking, breathtaking and the landscape very colourful. This is one of the highlights of the film. Once the film begins, however, I must confess that the initial sh scenes showing the lead character, Inuk, played by Quinn, going about his work, hunting for seal, bear, etc., and dialogues with his neighbours, uh, housed in the igloo next to his, suggested a script that was a bit childlike and comedic. But after watching more of it, it became evident that Ray wanted to convey the simplicity of life for the Inuit. Although they had their taboos and idiosyncrasies, they saw life as simplistic. Find enough food to feed you, and your family and find a mate to procreate and continue the existence of the Inuit community. Scenes early on illustrate Inuk who lives alone. 
being subjected to jokes and gossip about not finding a mate. And we are made aware of the Inuit's tradition to share one's wives with close friend and family. This is described as laughing with my woman. As in reality, the foreplay and copulation between couples uh, often took place amidst a lot of laughter and frivolity. This is in fact true, and I confirm this via Wikipedia. Inuk, however, rejects this kind offer from his friend, which leads to uh, his friend feeling insulted, and a brief physical confrontation with the man results, with him being knocked out when his head is, hits the ice of the igloo wall. He recovers, however, but this response by the huge Inuk is repeated further in the plot, with far more serious consequences. The dialogues interspersed with scenic shots of the environment, huge chunks of ice breaking away from the bergs, the men kayaking in search of food, scenes showing Inuk's attempt to outwit seals, sea lions and bear pups, techniques like imitating seal calls to fool the puppet's defences. Ray also juxtaposes the dialogue with nature, a cute shot of seals involved in a courtship ritual after we see the friends of Inuk getting highly spirited and full of laughter as foreplay. Soon visitors arrive to the neighbourhood, an elderly woman with two young daughters. They greet with customary giggles, potential mates for Inuk possibly. His indecision, however, due in part to poor social skills, enables the older daughter to be, to be taken by another uh, Inuk, but Inuit rather, but Inuk rejects the younger Asiak and pursues Imina uh, and his friend on a sleigh with Asi, Asika and her mother accompanying him. Again, a cultural point, the last child to find a mate is responsible for the care of the surviving parent and that's why Asika is with her mother. Ray introduces scenes that may be seen by Westerners as comedic. I won't pass judgment on these as it may be construed as racist, but a scene uh, follows where Inuk uh, reclaims Imina and then through guilt reverts back to Asika. So uh, Inuk uh, has now found his mate and the plot is without incident as they appear to be compatible as a couple. Ray, however, captured a scene earlier on uh, uh, when Asika and Inuk share the igloo. His feet are cold and uh, Asika places them beneath a jumper next to her warm body as a sign of acceptance of being chosen. However, when she becomes the second choice, she is less reciprocal to Inuk's needs. Another sin, scene that tests Inuk's bravery. A fully grown polar bear is in the way of the sleigh, driven by the dogs. He wraps a bone in cloth and gives it to the bear, who eats it and then starts to suffer with abdominal pain as a result of the cloth. And as Inuk prepares to step in for the kill, the bear is shot by a fellow Inuit who has a gun. A debate then follows about ownership of the kill, Inuk claiming that he'd been following the bear for three days, 
but more importantly guns and their usage in future kills is discussed and Inuk becomes committed to getting one by acquiring sufficient foxskins to trade at the trading post. The notion of barter as trade introduced, a new concept to the Inuit. Is this betterment or poison for the Inuit? So here again we get the clash of local Inuit culture and modern Western methods as the gun is now a tool that will impact on the Inuit considerably. Inuk's handling of the weapon is carefree and he needs guidance as to how to handle it. This again could be misconstrued by Western movie critics and I did read a review that did just that, ridiculing the acting of Quinn. But for me, it illustrated the lack of knowledge that this primitive culture had of such things as guns and their uses. <coughs> At the trading post, the exchange takes place, but it's insufficient to secure bullets for the gun's use. First signs of how business in the West lacks integrity, I guess. Another lesson for Inuk to learn. Although Inuk gets a taste of alcohol and dance entertainment, which... Uh, uh, appeases him but causes conflict with Asika. Asika also asks some poignant questions of the owner. Why is he always smiling? Why does he eat out of cans? And why doesn't he have a woman? Insight of the West's impact on Inuit culture and its potential infiltration for sure here. And then Inuit with family in tow camps down for the night away from the outpost. A seeker senses fear there. Then they are approached by a preacher who is in the business of selling religion. The Western concept of a higher power, a religious figure, is beyond the understanding of Inuk and Asika. And the morality issue, of course, is alien to them, as is the concept of monogamy. Promiscuity, or more sexual partners, are viewed as friendship to those close in Inuit culture. Inuk then wants to share Inuit food with the preacher, which he rejects, and the preacher then returns to the issue of the vow of the sanctity of marriage and all its encompassing good versus bad view. The preacher approach uh, is also rejecting when a seeker is offered uh, uh, as he views this as a sinful act, and this provokes outrage from Inuk, who views it as an insult. And what that leads to is a, a squabble between the two, with Inuk hitting the man's head against the igloo uh, wall, this time with dreadful consequences, as it results in his death. Asika responds, saying, maybe you bumped his head too hard. Inuk's uh, response, his head was too soft. How would this be seen in a Western court of war, I wonder? Ray then, as part of the script, focuses on the taboo about souls escaping from the mouth, about those ghosts after death. And so the fingers are cut off by Inuk and are placed in the mouth of the preacher. Belief systems. Mm. The the family then depart and there's an extremely moving sequence further down, uh, continuing the Inuit cultural belief as the mother decides that she's going to sacrifice herself to the elements, to the carnivorous polar bear 
uh, as she deems that she has no further use to the family. Her daughter pleads for her to uh, continue with them, but she's adamant. Her daughter's also pregnant, so we uh, also uh, uh, have uh, her mother giving a last piece of knowledge, advising Asika as what to do when the birth takes place, as she will be alone. Inuk will remove himself uh, from this activity. The importance of the umbilical cord is stressed as a means to continue the life of the child and herself, and that it must be cut. And then she goes on to explain how the tribe will respond to whether the birth is of a boy or a girl. It's a real history lesson in addition to being a highly charged reality insight into the Inuit culture. It's worth watching to learn about it. And in fact, that is my message about this film. It's a tremendous lesson in history, geography, sociology and primitive societies. It's worth noting that the mother's final moments should mirror the newly born females in terms of sacrifice. Ray's direction uh, is blatant as the sleigh departs with the mother seated on the ice and slowly disappearing from view as the sleep falls and a polar bear starts to approach the prey. The implication is the bear's life will continue following the kill and then Inert will later kill the bear and the meat will then provide sustenance to the family. The mother views this as her returning with value to her family. It's an amazing concept of the notion of being worthy. The birth then follows a seeker alone as uh, she sends Inuk on an errand and then Inuk returns to see his son. He's then uh, shocked by the fact that the infant has no teeth. Ignorance on his part as Asika handles it, uh, expressing a commitment to care for the boy, irrespective of whether he gets, has teeth or not. He averts another she averts another sacrifice. And then the, the final sequence uh, we lead into this, involving two straight troopers, who on a second search on uh, sleigh and dogs for Inuk, uh, following the murder of the preacher, as they see it, track him down, uh, albeit uh, conditions that are extremely harsh. Inuk's son is now a toddler, and Quinn shows his class with his interactions with the boy. When the uh, troopers arrive uh, and express the fact that they have to remove Inuk to uh, the town, and he's to be tried in a court of law. A dialogue ensues between Inuk, Asika and the troopers regarding the contrast in the laws in Western countries and the common laws here in Inuit culture. It rather shows up the deep divide in thinking and the unspoken view that Canadian law is superior, even though the incident took place in Inuit uh, communities and of course was viewed as an accident by Inuk. Politics again rearing its head. The language by the troopers suggests an open and shut case uh, 
where capital punishment is inevitable. And it's, it's somewhat abhorrent, I found. And I sense deliberately spelled out by Ray to provoke debate. There's still the journey with sleigh and dogs to take place with all the potential perils of the environment. A snow plane couldn't be used because of the weight on the ice sheets and the weather is harsh, very harsh. Inuit's advice on the severity of sub-zero temperatures is ignored by the troopers uh, as he advises that they should camp uh, in the blizzard but they continue, and then of course there's a disaster. The sleigh and dogs break the ice, and uh, that they and the trooper, one trooper, end up in the water. The dogs frantically escape, and their coats protect them a little from the severe temperatures. But alas, for the trooper, he freezes in front of uh, Inuk and O'Toole. Inevitable death following and he's discarded into the drink. The final section tackles the prickly issue of whether Inuk will sacrifice the trooper, who's ill-equipped to survive with no sleigh and no dogs, or, sh uh, shut, I I I or, or shut Inuk uh, show his humanity and save the man. You'll need to watch it to find out. O'Toole's performance is limited, it has to be said, but he will have his opportunity two years later as Lawrence in Lawrence of Arabia. As for the savage innocence, a marvellous exploration into indigenous communities, a fascinating story and an awesome performance by Anthony Quinn means that you must get to watch this classic. It has great direction by Ray as well.